Welcome to Freedom to Choose, brought to you by Just As I Am Ministries, giving hope to people caught in the devastation of addiction. In their series, Questions from Prison, Rich and Susan Kallenberg share 14 messages they teach to prisoners and answer their questions from within the walls of captivity. Rich and Susan Kallenberg are a husband and wife team who found freedom 18 years ago from their out-of-control lives of drug addiction and alcoholism. Break free from the chains that may bind you or your loved ones. Now here's Rich and Susan on Freedom to Choose. Hello everyone, my name is Rich Collenberg. And my name is Susan Collenberg. And today we are in week four of Steps to Christ Recovery Edition. And where are we presenting this other than on the radio program, Susan? At Folsom Women's Facility in Folsom, California. And that's part of our prison ministry that we're doing for the uh, Folsom Women's Facility that uh, we do what about two hours every Saturday? Correct. We go in and we teach an addiction recovery class. And are you having a good time in I'm there? I'm having a good time, and then they help us. The Lord uses them to reach our hearts as well, and and we get recovery as well. Boy, that is the truth. Yes. And um, so, if somebody wants to get a copy of the book, they can call us at nine one six six four five one two nine seven. That's for the book Steps to Christ. Steps to Christ Recovery Edition. Yes. Okay, Susan, before we get too deep into things, would you like to begin today's program with a word of prayer? Yes. Our loving Father in heaven, we thank you for another day. We thank you for the privilege that we have to um, just share all that you desire for each person, for, for each one of your children. And we pray that the program will go according to your will and that many, many people will hear the good news about your love for them and not just not just about your love but about your forgiveness and your healing power we thank you so much that you are with us that you give us the power of confession and uh, you desire nothing more than for us to be restored and we thank you in jesus name amen amen and today we're going to ask the question and hopefully answer it what does it mean to confess right and are we all sorry, or but some of us sorry for different reasons? And if we are sorry for different reasons, will this affect our desire to confess? Right. And so the, the chapter is called Choosing to admit, what, to admit What's Wrong, Confession, and Getting Real About the Garbage in Your Heart. Okay. So how does this <laughs> mess start? Your heart has garbage in it? My heart. That's a good way to put it, isn't it? Yes. Yes. A garbage. Yes. Is it a is it a a, a bag or a can or what? What? Mm. Uh, a dumpster. <laughs> can sometimes be a dumpster full. I guess it just depends on on how close my connection is to Christ. Because as we go to Him and we confess, and He cleans out the garbage, and then we no longer have to pack it around. That's right. So. How, how does the mess start? Well, the Bible tells us how the Hebrew people had rebelled against God and they were suffering the results of their sin. And this is the key. They had stopped trusting in God to lead and protect them despite all of his care for them and for us in the past. Okay. They stopped trusting him. They rejected the great ruler of the universe and had insisted on a human king instead so that they could be like the nations around them. So let's take that to our little world, our the, our little world between our ears, okay? okay? Mm-hmm. 
What happens when we want to be like people around us? We put a different king on the throne, don't we? See, God wants to be on the throne of your heart. Mm -hmm. And just like the children of Israel, he wanted to be on their throne so bad. But they wanted to be like everyone around them. And so they wanted a human king. They didn't want God. We want a human king. We want ourselves on I was going to say it's mostly the God of our own making. That's right. right. And, and see, there's a problem with that. What happens when we put the wrong king on the throne? We fail. Why do we put him there? Because we like him. Mm. And we want to be like those around us, just like the children of Israel. As a result, we lose our dignity, our self-worth, and we hide. We all want to get our dignity back, don't we? Um, That's one of the big things, and I wouldn't want to say selling points, but for me, uh, getting my dignity back, being able to look in a mirror and being okay with myself, that was something, you know, because the only way I could look in the mirror and be okay with myself is if I was high. Right. You know, self-diagnosis and self-medication. Right. To be able to do that clean and sober and be able to, to walk into the room. And, and, and this is one of the things we tell the girls at Folsom Women's Facility. Do you want to be able to walk in the room with your head held high and get your dignity back? Right. And for some of us on the outside, it may be um, having a job that, that, that puts uh, that mask on so that we're able to face ourselves in the mirror. It could be shopping. It could be our prestige. It could be all different kinds of things that actually masks who we really are. The so new car every three years. Right. Whatever it is to try to, to, to hide the pain or put the mask on so we don't have to look at ourselves. Right. Um, you know, part of getting your dignity back, believe it or not, is humbling oneself and confessing. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of hard to imagine but that's how you get your, your dignity back. What is confession, Susan? Well, confession is agreeing that God is right and we are wrong. That's right. That's basically, it's identifying what's wrong. And tell us what true confession is. Is it specific? Does it identify it's, specific issues? It's always specific. It identifies specific issues. And it requires a searching of your own heart. And um, we need to make a fearless inventory of our moral wrongs as we get real with ourselves about the flaws in in our makeup which have caused our failures we begin to see exactly what we have to do and and what has gone wrong in the process okay so it's and it's not just about saying the words it's actually about agreeing with god for a change Mm -hmm. that's what confession is god i agree i have been in rebellion I agree that your ways are right and my ways are wrong. Mm-hmm. I agree with because a person in rebellion disagrees with right. God. That's why he's We're in gonna rebellion. We're going to do it our way. And, and you're not consciously saying you're going to do it your way. You just disagree with God's ways. And so finally coming to the realization, you know, I mean, with me, after 25 years of drug abuse, I finally wake up and go, wow, everything I've done in my life has been wrong. I've had the wrong pair of glasses on when I've looked at everything. And now I agree, Lord, that what I've done is wrong. What I've done is hurt people. What I've done is destroyed lives. It, my life was a speedboat going through a 25 mile, going through a five mile an hour zone, leaving a wake of destruction everywhere it went. I agree with you. Now it's hard to imagine that that's how someone gets their dignity back by admitting that kind of stuff. But it's the only way is to get it out of the air and agree with 
the king of the universe. Right, because I think that God um, really wants us to see what we are through his eyes. And many times we can go through life and be, <clears throat> excuse me, very self-focused and very, um, very self-focused instead of other-focused. And that truly is the basis of sin. There's... God does not want to have to twist your arm for you to confess. Right. He wants you to understand that, you know, and he doesn't want to stand there and say, tell me I'm right, you're wrong. No, he wants, he want, he just simply demonstrates who he is and how he is, and finally some of us come to our senses. And And I'm a firm believer that we might come to our senses in, certain aspects of our lives and it may take three or four years for us to come to our senses in another aspect of our life and and it's just that sanctification is a work of a lifetime it's coming to god and trusting him with every issue continually and and that's truly why jesus came jesus god said here is a picture of what true humility of what true servanthood is about what really loving others is truly about and so when we compare our lives to the lives of Jesus, to the life of Jesus, um, you know, we can truly see the light in the darkness, right? Oh, you can. I mean, how did he treat certain people? That's what amazes me. The woman that was thrown down in adultery, how did he treat her? You know, the religious leaders of the day would have loved it if he would have stoned her. Mm -hmm. They would have accepted Jesus if he would have stoned her. Right. And we know she had already condemned herself because Jesus said, I don't condemn you. He doesn't have to. Right. We got enough going on between our ears. And just to simply recall the garbage, the mess, right. and just, just keep that up there is very, very harmful for a human being. And God is saying, just bring it to me. Confess it. Get it out in the open. If you say, if you agree with me, tell me about it. Because there's nothing better for God. That's the beginning of the healing process. I mean, think about a child. If you have a child that has done something wrong and you're the parent, would you rather have the child go around the corner and swig on a beer behind a tree or come to you and say, Mommy, Daddy, I've, I've done something wrong? Right. You know, I mean, you hate to see the child hurt, but there is nothing better than the child come to you with his problems. Mm -hmm. And that's where the true healing is. That's it. When you're really sorry for your sin, you will make definite changes in your life also. You'll cut out the wrong habits. And by the way, uh, I don't know that you can set out to just simply cut out wrong habits. I, you know, doesn't you, seem to work. It doesn't <laughs> seem to work. I think you have to crowd them out. Mm -hmm. You know, um, the Bible tells us that to think on certain things. What are those certain things? Whatever things are pure, lovely, true. A All, good report. Okay, so yes. let's think about it. What human being was true, lovely, of good report, pure? All those qualities that God tells us to think on, what human being was like that? It was Jesus. It was Jesus. Right. So if we crowd out that behavior, that bad behavior with Jesus, just replace it, put new ruts in our brain in a different location than where the old ruts were. Mm -hmm. And and that's, I think, what God wants us to do. When we continue to come, come to him, change our way of thinking, change our, our habit patterns of thinking, okay, I've done something wrong, uh, I'm not going to go to the baggie this time. Right. I'm going to go to the doctor. Because mm -hmm. you know what? When I go to the doctor, I get well a lot faster. When I go to the baggie, all I seem to do is get sicker and sicker and right. sicker. Right, it's a temporary fix. It's a temporary fix, and that's why they call it a fix. Right. 
It's just a temporary fix. It's a self-medicating phase that we go through thinking that it's going to help us to get through, but all it does is postpone the consequences. It makes it worse. Right. It gets worse and worse and worse. Um, Now, what about relapse, temptations to go back? things like that because they always come up and I think that's one of the big things that we talk about you know with the reentry facility at Folsom Women's Prison is that um, we ask them what what are the big issues that will tempt you to go back to the old life because you're going to get out of here there will you know the walls will come down mm-hmm. you're going to have to make decisions on your own and you're going to have to make decisions about certain things do you know what those certain things what are the most men men that's men one of the big the things huh? one, yes men uh, we talk about certain triggers, you know, about environment. One of the big things is fear because it's a new way of life. It is. Right. Okay. And I know for me, I don't belong over here on the holy side and I don't belong over here in the gutter. And so I feel like I don't belong anywhere. Mm-hmm. You, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And when a woman is getting out of prison, and all she has, she's trying to get her dignity back. She's trying to change her environment. She's got all that trash she's got to deal with, the baggage from all the bad mistakes from her past. Trying to get the children back. Right. This whole thing can seem insurmountable. Yes. And that's when I think that we, we have to understand that everything happens in God's time. Just give him time. Continue to trust him. Continue to give everything to him. And it will work out eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, it will. Remember the saying, life is change, growth is optional? Yes. I'd like to go a step further. And I think we talked about this a week or two ago. Growth is optional, but I think growth will always happen. That's true. But it just depends on what crop you're growing. Right. Right? What do you got to do to grow weeds? Nothing. Nothing. You just let the garden go Mm -hmm. and weeds will grow. And so I think that's one of the biggest things that, you and I teach ourselves and that we like to teach the, the, the women in there is that no matter what, continue to cultivate the garden because the only way that good fruit will grow is if you work at it. Right. You can only, the gardener, he can dress up the ground, he can trim the, tree, the, the fruit, I mean, he can trim the, the plant, he can water it, he can fertilize it, but all he can do is encourage the growth. The growth is still a miracle. And we have to remember that. The growth happens in God's time. We would love in March for our tomato plants to be six <laughs> feet tall. Yes. But they, the growth is a miracle and right. it happens in God's time and they don't get six feet tall until July. Right. That's, but they do get six feet now, maybe <laughs> five feet tall. And we get a lot of tomatoes, but they, but that's because there's a lot of hard work and we encourage the miracle. Right. And then we rely on the miracle worker to do the rest of that's it. That's right. You have to back off and say, because if what happens if you overdo it? What if you over trim or try to over water or over this or you, you just, you got to let God do what he does. Right. We have to team up with him. And I think that's what it is. We, we have to team up with him in this process. He can't do it without us and we can't do it without him. That's right. That's exactly right. Every act of rebellion, every neglect or rejection of the grace of Christ damages you. It damages your heart. It makes you unresponsive to him. It weakens your will. It numbs your conscience, and it makes you deaf to the pleading of God's Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? Absolutely. It happens, doesn't it? It does. And then we ask the question to the women in, um, in Folsom, how does sin numb your awareness of right and wrong? 
you know, we all agree that our definition of normal changes when we're engaged in bad behavior. Isn't that so true? I mean, it's not normal to neglect your children. But when you're doing drugs, for instance, that becomes normal. Me, I used to sleep in my clothes, boots on and everything. That's not normal. For weeks at a time. For weeks at a time. That's not normal. Staying up all night is not normal. Lying is not normal. Stealing is not normal. This is not normal behavior, but to an addict it is. And I th- and it's because Satan has us so convinced that there's no other way to live. That That's we're right. We're destined to live this life as a sinner without hope. You know what? What things do you do, me, you, right now that we might For our con- listener, right? Yes, that we might consider as normal. What would, I mean, gossip? Right. Exaggerating? Facebook? Negative thinking. There's Negative all sorts of things right now that we, we are that we do and just because we're uh, not in not crawling out from underneath a car at two in the morning every third day, we we're, we think we're okay. We have that mask. We have the mask on and the mask takes on many different shapes and many different forms, you know, gossip, critical spirit. Mm-hmm. All these kinds of things to try to lift ourselves up and make ourselves look better, um, very dangerous. Right. And you know what? One of the sad parts to me is is I've been aware of this in my life for a long, long time, and it seems like I can do nothing about it. So it causes me to question, you know, am I really giving this to God? Why hasn't it changed? And, and the only conclusion I can come up with is, yeah, I'm I'm not giving myself 100% to God because mm-hmm. he's the great physician and he will, uh, he will finish the work. It was kind of like when I was trying to quit smoking. Well, I wasn't really trying to quit. It was you wanted me to quit. I wanted her to quit so bad. Ready. She was not ready. No. And, and, and I and, wanted her to quit so bad. What We took you down to the what, uh, yeah, don't, you don't want to talk about it? Well, you know, it was it was a very difficult time, and it wasn't until I really prayed about it, God make help me to be willing to be made willing to be willing to really want to change, because I didn't want to give it up, but I didn't think that was really. I look back now, and I see I didn't want to give it you up. You didn't want to give it up. Point. I thought I was. I thought I did. But there was no heart change. There was no desire within my own heart. So God can't come in and force that desire on us. No. He can draw us to that knowledge, and he can work with us through his spirit, but he cannot force us to want to confess or to be repentant towards things that we're doing wrong. You know what? And it, it's a heart change in every issue of your life. Right. You know, because, you know, I, I, you go along and you have a heart change in an issue of your life. And the next thing you know, that thing is in your rearview mirror. I know it was with me with methamphetamine. You know, it was in my rearview mirror. Now I don't think about it. Right. It's it's not an issue. Cigarettes, you know, it was like a year later. Lord told me, you know what? You're killing yourself. And by the way, that is an awfully nasty habit. What do you think? And I said, I, I agree with you, Lord. But you know what? I don't think it's that nasty. You have to make it nasty for me. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, it was repulsive to me. It was still hard to quit. Right. But I had to change a heart in that issue. The next thing you know, it was the swearing, you know, the, the filthy mouth. I needed to change a heart in that issue. That took me a couple years to get that corrected, right? Or for the Lord to correct that, I should say. But I needed to change a heart in that area of my life. Right. And I think that... The only reason that God is not able to do something in us, in it, 
in us is because we don't have a change of heart in that area of our lives. Right, but I think we missed a very important point because many times we can look at people and say, well, they're not doing this, therefore they're not not where they're supposed to be in their you know we have a we can be real judgmental upon people but during that whole process i was always a child of god you bet and you and that's bet. one thing we have to remember mm-hmm. just because someone is struggling does not mean they are not a child of god every everyone in hebrews 11 every one of those uh children of faith all had some serious serious struggles and they're all documented and I think that's why God documented them, because he's good at coming in and sweeping up the broken glass of the, you know, the bad addictions. I mean, Solomon had some serious sexual addictions. Every, you know, everybody in the Bible had issues that God cleaned up for them. And I think that's what the Bible is about when we read it as a whole, as what does God do with people that mess things up? Right. What kind of a God is it? That all he, that his job is to come in and clean up messes. Right, because we can say we're a child of God and that person isn't, but in reality, we're all God's children. Just some have, you know. <laughs> some are a little more rebellious, rebellious than others. That, and have a better relationship than, than others. So. You know, and the sad part about it is is when when we do bad things, we, we begin to blame and, and we cause, and, and that's that's another whole area, um, you know, in, in Adam and Eve, especially when you look back at the first mm. sin, what happened? Number one, they hid. Why? Well, I was naked and I was afraid. And then the the God that Adam was walking with on one day, he was hiding from the next. But what it got worse, though, the woman that he loved so much the first day was the one he pointed to and blamed the second day. Right. And by the way, God, you put her here, so really it's your fault, God. And we start blaming everybody and everything, and there's the mask, psychological fig leaves, if you will. We put something on, we blame, we do whatever we can to keep for self-preservation. Right, and instead of Eve taking responsibility for her actions, she blamed the serpent. That God put there. Correct. It's always somebody else's problem when we're in rebellion, and it's, it's, it's really sad but confession is part of that uh, package that you say, okay, God, you're right, I'm wrong. And it takes a heart change to get there. Right, because if we're not willing to look at our sin and confess our sin, then that's what's going to keep, that's going to block us from God. The more the more we, we hide from him and, and don't um, take responsibility for our actions and who we are as people, then he can't reach us. And, and It's at, just the way it is. Right. At some point, our heart becomes so hardened that... Um, we say, talk to the hand. Right. Talk to the hand. I don't want to hear you anymore. And then he, there's nothing he can do but cry. Right. And, you know, and watch his child just kill themselves. Um, you know what? Jesus is ready to set you free from sin, but he'll never force you. If you persistently rebel, if you're determined to do evil, if you don't want to be set free and you won't accept his grace, what more can he do? You'll destroy yourself by a life of rebellion. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation, Second mm-hmm. Corinthians 6, 2. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts, Hebrews 3, 7 and 8. You don't have to make peace with God. Instead, through Jesus, Jesus is making peace with you. That's amazing love. You can't set out to do this. Right. Jesus is doing it. You just have to trust 
and realize he that's his mission. He's right. good at what he it, does. Exactly, because in Second Corinthians, he, uh, the Bible tells us that he's reconciling the world to himself. So he's trying to win us back with his gentle love. That's right. And he's patient with us, with our faults and our mistakes, but yet he still is drawing us back to him. One good way out of it, too, talk about Jesus, what he's done for you. It'll encourage you in the rough times. It'll encourage you to remember what he's done, that he hasn't given up on you, that he loves you. He'll save you from yourself, which is an amazing... I mean, I want to be saved from myself more than anything else, but we have to admit our mistakes, don't we? We do. We have to admit we've sinned. That's confession. Do you want to be made well? Well, next week we will head into week five of the book's Steps to Christ Recovery Edition. If you'd like to get a hold of the book, you can give us a call at 916-645-1297. And remember, folks, there's only two ways to live your life. One is like nothing is a miracle. The other is like everything is a miracle. And you have the freedom to choose. Thank you for listening to Freedom to Choose in the series Questions from Prison. There truly is hope for anyone whose life is in addiction captivity. Whether behind walls or not, Rich and Susan are living testimonials and they've created this seven-step biblically-based handbook and a recovery workbook to move those you love toward freedom. If you'd like to order the Addiction Recovery Workbook for someone you know or if you're a member of a church and you'd like to create a ministry in the area of addiction, Rich and Susan can help you get started. Please call Rich and Susan at 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. As a nonprofit, they're supported by people like you. Call 916-645-1297 or go to justasiamministries.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you.